Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering infrastructure. NAMIC sends its legislative priorities to Congress regarding the new infrastructure package and cannabis legislation. The Safe Banking Act moves closer to passage, how the bill is expected to help insurers involved in cannabis businesses. Plus, returning to work, HR consultant Gina Benedict shares what companies can do now to prepare for post-pandemic normalcy. But first in Washington, the Biden administration is keeping infrastructure at the top of its agenda. This week, a bipartisan group of lawmakers is meeting to discuss the recently proposed $2.25 trillion legislative proposal. While it remains to be seen how closely any actual legislative plan would hew to the administration's proposal, NAMIC has sent a letter to congressional leaders with its priorities. The letter offered a list of specific legislation that would provide communities with much-needed resources to make them more resilient to extreme weather and to help prepare America's roads for emerging technology. Additionally, NAMIC wrote to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to urge the inclusion of insurance stakeholders and insurance regulators in discussions of how best to protect the nation's electric grid from natural and man-made disasters. As part of a recent event hosted by Florida International University, NAMIC participated on a panel focused on building resilient coastal communities. The event discussed how to reach the goal of identifying solutions the federal government should consider when developing priorities for enhancing resilient infrastructure. Event participants provided input on what they would suggest as priorities for Congress and for the newly formed Office of Domestic Climate Policy. For its part, NAMIC urged solutions rooted in the power of resilient construction and mitigation. NAMIC also stressed the need for lawmakers to continue enacting, as part of any comprehensive infrastructure package, policies such as the Resilient America Act, a bill the association is currently working to design with the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. NAMIC Senior Director of Federal Affairs Andrew Huff shared some additional opportunities to strengthen the infrastructure bill from a resilience perspective. We were very excited to see the infrastructure plan, and forgive me, I don't know the exact page number, um, talking about, I think, spending $213 billion to retrofit a ton of affordable homes, and that was, you know, really exciting. I think, um, you know, in terms of the infrastructure plan, there's still additional opportunities, um, and we're talking to Congress about that in terms of ways to um, increase state and local capacity to to undertake risk-reducing mitigation actions by increasing the capacity of the BRIC program. And we think a few ways to do that. Um, One would be to kind of increase the funding calculation for the BRIC program. Um, As you all probably know, the BRIC program can currently be funded with up to 6% of whatever was spent out of the disaster relief fund for that fiscal year. And so we're looking to maybe increase that percentage Um, as well as tie a a certain percentage of BRIC funds to building code adoption and enforcement. Um, We know so many communities, um, you know, lack the resources to have adequate building code enforcement regimes and the retrofitting piece is going to be really important too. Um, And just looking at ways and we encourage the administration and Congress to look for ways in the infrastructure bill um, to, you know, try to find ways to utilize BRIC funding, existing BRIC funding, um, you know, to fund retrofitting programs and incentives for folks to undertake retrofits. I mean, of course, the focus on community resilience 
um, obviously dovetails with the incredible, you know, importance of focusing on that infrastructure resilience. And we were very, you know, pleased to see some of the proposals in the plan in terms of, you know, hardening infrastructure in the face of a number of different types of catastrophes. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the, the sort of interconnectedness between home resilience and infrastructure resilience all kind of comes together to make commun uh, communities more resilient. And so, you know, those are some of the things that we'd like to see in an infrastructure bill, um, I think, um, you know, to add on to what's already there. The NAMIC-backed Secure and Fair Enforcement, or SAFE, Banking Act is expected to pass on a suspension vote by the House. The SAFE Banking Act contains critical safe harbor provisions to prevent federal criminal prosecution of various financial services entities, including insurers, that engage with cannabis-related businesses in states that have legalized marijuana. Action on the SAFE Banking Bill is uh, headed to the Senate, where its outcome is still unclear. Speaking of cannabis, NAMIC has a forthcoming white paper titled Drugged Driving, the Intersection of Property Casualty Insurance and Cannabis Impaired Driving. We expect it to be released on NAMIC.org in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout for this important paper. And as COVID-19 vaccines continue to roll out, many workplaces are planning ahead for what a return to the office will look like. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with HR consultant Gina Benedict about top safety considerations for organizations. When it comes to office dynamics, more has changed in the last year than in the previous 20. As many employers explore a return to the office, there's still a lot of questions about what it'll look like. So joining you today on Unscripted, we have HR consultant Gina Benedict. Gina, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, you'll be speaking at NAMIC's all-new Human Resources Summit in a few weeks. And you'll take a look at what life in the office will look like after the pandemic. So maybe you could start with our audience here and, and tell us, and what are the forces around the pandemic that are still impacting business from an HR perspective? I know it's been a really busy year for HR. It definitely has been a very busy year for HR, as it has been for a lot of, you know, different people in different departments, just encountering, encountering a lot of change. And I think um, one of the big things around that's going on is the uncertainty around the return to work. You know, when it happens, how it will work, you know, this is producing a lot of anxiety for employees and, and leaders as well. You know, schools have not fully returned to normal. Fall school schedules are probably not, are probably going to be impacted. You know, parents are acting as bus drivers, tutors, and teachers. Um, a lot of working parents are attempting to balance this work and home needs. And that is impacting our HR world tremendously. We see a lot of requests for, for mental health needs of employees. So, Employee assistant plans are becoming, you know, much more important than they ever have been. And advertising those, um, following the leave policies that are enacted by the federal and state laws, and even county laws now are even impacted. We have a lot of the people that I work with have county um, regulations that they have to follow when it comes to COVID and, and people returning to work and what work on site looks like. A lot of another big area, too, that we also see is training requests from managers about how to become more emotionally responsive leaders. This last year has taken a tremendous shift for them, whereas a lot of times it was about, you know, getting the work done. 
And suddenly managers found themselves having to deal with how do I reach this employee who is distant? You know, they had to get used to Zoom, phone calls, and all these things. It was easy before. I think, I think we a lot of us took for granted just how easy it was to get up and walk and talk to someone. Now it takes it's an additional step. It's setting up a Zoom. It's putting up a phone call, sending a, a message via text. So those yeah. are some of the things that are going on around you know HR, but recruitment and retention, also two big issues that are are looming in the HR world for companies. Well, I know it's more than a year into it for me working remotely and. I still haven't figured out the right formula for touching base with people. Um, as you said, the walking around the office and just informal conversations, catching up on things, uh, really doesn't have um, you know a substitute in the uh, virtual world. But I found we've had a few workarounds. We have informal coffees with our team and all that, but it's it's still a challenge. Well, as we look to you know returning to work, and I know our management team at NAMIC uh, is, is trying to plan, uh, plot a return to work and plan for it, um, or return to office. And we've obviously been working. I talked with a couple of member company CEOs just this week who are in the same position, but what do you think the return to work will look like or return to office will look like uh, for many companies? My thought is that it's going to be phased in over time. I think it's going to, it, it, in some situations, it's going to be department by department, case by case, based on what the situation of the employee is, what, what their personal demands are with their family. But I see a lot of um, communications about this idea of, you know, the hybrid model of working two days at home, three days at the office. And I see a lot of companies having a lot of dialogue about this, of what, how can we make this work? How do we cover the office schedule? and then allow this flexibility. So I think there's going to be some individuals that stay at home like 100%. And I think that the job market right now is also going to impact this because there's a lot of companies that are seeking, you know, new staff, new workers, and um, and one of, so they need to retain the current staff and then they need to attract, you know, new people. And so this whole idea of flexibility is coming into it. and and the companies are really going to have to reach out to people and ask what it is that they want and what they need and working together a great dialogue about you know what it is that both sides need to come together for agreement and i think a big part of this is asking employees what it is that they want what are their ideas and solutions um it's sometimes easy for leadership to just try to make these decisions and and not get that feedback but I really encourage, you know, leaders to get surveys out, talk to people, find out what's really going on. And I also will say, you know, Zoom is here to stay. Zoom, you know, Microsoft Teams, I think continuing to understand how that works and utilizing that as a um, as an option is it that's not going away. So I encourage just keep on using it. How how can we utilize it better? And I think that there's been a lot of inroads this last year with it. So Gina, how do you think companies should handle the stress employees may feel when they're coming back to work in an in-person work environment? I think an emphasis on safety is going to be really important for employees. 
you know, putting procedures in place that make employees feel safer, you know, such as masks in and what I mean by masks is that maybe they're not wearing them the entire time. Like if they're in their own desk area, their own, you know, little area, they don't need to wear a mask during that period of time. But if they're up walking around the office, you know, I would encourage companies to continue to encourage people to use masks because I think it it makes other people feel safer. So I might myself may say, I don't need a mask, but if it makes my coworker feel safer, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, and that's what I would encourage is, you know, a lot of kindness as around of, of understanding that people have a lot of challenges going on. We have many employees who've lost loved ones in this pandemic. So they have different sensitivities um, to safety procedures. I think, um, again, encouraging, you know, flexibility, um, easing people into the work and coming back into the office, maybe they start out at one day a week. And that's what I've seen some companies do successfully is they had employees pick a day, one day to come back and kind of get back in the swing of things. And they're going to ease in over several weeks. Um, another thing is too, is, you know, prior to the pandemic, managers often shied away from asking personal questions about home life situations for employees. What we found is really successful companies and successful managers have started asking company, you know, employees, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on at home? And my advice is if they haven't done that yet to really start engaging with employees about simply asking those basic questions and hearing what they have to say. That type of um, communication, it, really, it allows the employee to be honest and authentic about what's really going on and it eliminates some of the stress. It's already going to be a stressful situation, so even small steps of just asking people how they're doing can go a long way to making people feel like, okay, I can make this step back into the office. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, particularly about, you know, attending more than ever to the whole person and the home life and, and um, just what's going on that may not be apparent in the office. So let's talk about, you know, the office and our current status of, you know, half of our working population, which are the women in our workforce. I saw an estimate that between two and a half and three million women have left the workforce in the last 14 months. So how can companies attract women back? This is a great question and one that I, I find, I know I can speak to personally as a, a working mom too, and, and my husband too, he's been sharing the, the obligations as well. Um, what I would say is what is good for women is good for everyone. Like what the kind of benefits and offer flexibility can work for men and women. And it, it's just good for the overall culture. So. I think when it comes to really attracting women back to the workforce, it's saying, okay, how can we be flexible? What is it that they really need? And, you know, there's opportunities such as job sharing, this idea of, you know, maybe they don't do 35 hours a week or 40 hours a week. They do a little less than that. Where are the compromises? You know, a lot of women are really masters at multitasking and juggling different things going on. You know, do we really need, you know, that, particular employee to be available from 8.30 to 4.30 every day? Is there some flexibility in there that we can offer that allow them maybe to work, you know, 6.30 to 2.30 or put some hours in at the night and during the evening? 
but it really comes down to each woman and, you know, asking each family situation, what is it they need? As far as attracting women back in, I would definitely advertise that your company is family friendly. Like that would be tremendous, but it has to be true. I mean, you can't false advertise and, you know, attract all these candidates and then they get there and find out that it's not family friendly. Your best source of bringing people into your company is your own employees. Like they are your best recruiters. And if you have a great positive and culture, they will tell other people about it. So I, my, my best advice is, you know, how do you treat your own employees and are they happy? And if they are, you know, tell them there's job openings and they'll find people for you as well. That's a great point. I know at Nanic we've uh, we've done that for years. We've had objective measures like best places to work, which um, is a survey that we do with with employees and um, get feedback from them, but also then get scored. And we've been fortunate to be in that best places to work category. Sometimes mentioning the top five bit size category employer um, each time we've done it. But you know it doesn't well, and we've also had many staff recruited by you know their future co-workers even family members where we've had to put policies in place about uh, how do we govern you know people from the same family working at NAMIC but uh, it's all good because it really shows a positive work environment and and I agree for women um, you know having been married for a few decades to one it will help raised four kids with me, um, the multitasking, the flexibility, um, it's essential. And uh, I think it will be to really get those two and a half or three million people who've left the workforce back in. So last question, um, you know, we've talked a little about the future and what things might look like, a little about the past and how we adapted during the pandemic, but what can companies do right now to prepare for the return to office uh, that we've discussed a little bit today. I think how they can prepare, you know, is begin the conversations. Don't surprise employees. Just start talking about it in meetings and um, what it looks like. I think another really big important point is I encourage leaders to share their own struggles, like what's going on in their own life that has impacted them because not, there's not one single person that has not been impacted by COVID. And what I have found is, and this is over my last 14 months, is that when I share the struggles of what's going on in my life, and this may be, you know, family members that are sick, you know, I have teenagers. And um, while most of us would think that most teenagers are independent in the fact that they could be left at home, you know, there was a point during the pandemic where I felt like I couldn't leave the house. Like I did, I was concerned about their mental health. Like, it, you know, that it was important for me to be there. And I found that when I shared those personal stories that um, you could almost see with, you know, a lot of times over Zoom, you could see people relaxing. And, and, the, and they then too started sharing their struggles. And um, so I encourage leaders, you know, talk start talking about the challenges now and, and talk about their own personal challenges and listen to what feedback they're that you're getting from employees about what what's going on and then asking those employees for their ideas and suggestions there's a lot of fear about returning to to the office we've you know we've had 14 almost 15 months of, of living in this is it okay is it safe 
And we're not out of this. There's no like turning it on and off. Like, okay, you know, June 1st, pandemic's over and we move on. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be with us for quite some time. So I think there needs to be flexibility and explaining that to employees that, hey, we may bring people back and find that we, we've got to pull you out again because of safety reasons. And just trust that us that we're going to do that. And I think having that open, authentic dialogue ongoing is the critical point of allowing employees then to feel that they can voice their concerns and that they're heard and then you can act upon them. Well, that's, uh, that's great advice, Gina. And, you know, all of our businesses are going to face a lot of challenges going forward with uh, return to the office and kind of living through the next phase of uh, hopefully the end of the pandemic. But uh, I know that we'll all rely very heavily on excellent human resources uh, advice. And I think that's what you've given us today. So thanks so much for joining us on Insurance Unscripted. To hear more from Gina Benedict, you can register for NAMIC's all-new Human Resources Summit. Scheduled for May 4th, it's a virtual event, so you can attend from anywhere. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on May 5th with more insurance news and interviews. And as always, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. Just shoot us a quick email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.